The FujiCast is an independent loading zone production. What you won't have heard, literally, just literally 10 seconds ago, I was just I was just about to press the record button and Kev just blew his nose right down <laughs> right down the line here. Kev, that was disgusting. I know, I'm sorry. I, I, even, the do- I'm, even the dog looked up. Said, normally I'm all <laughs> over the, uh, the mute button, but I'd, uh, it's a bit early uh, for me. Oh, Kev. <laughs> oh, but obviously your cold is not yet sorted. Uh, not quite. It's no. a lot better, though. Yeah. You've got that deep voice, though, Kev. Have you, have you thought about this? Could be a good time to start your voiceover career. Yeah. Yeah. Hello. Now, do um, voiceover the the um, dear, I can't remember the guy's name, but it was a, a brilliant story, a wonderful story about a, a chap that used to be a tube driver, and he had this really low voice, so he could do in a world, you know, the, those those sort mm. of the, the the film ones, mm. and he used to uh, scare the passengers over Halloween and stuff like that. He'd say, <laughs> "You thought the doors were opening and stuff and stuff like that," and um, and he 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 used to talk to the passengers. And one day, one day, a casting director heard him as he was making his announcement. He's no longer a tube train driver. He now earns oodles, and we're talking six figure sums. Uh, being voiceover for movies and stuff. So good. good for him. Kev, this is your moment. Yeah. Try me. In a world. Mind in, in, the gap. Mind, no, I don't want <laughs> no don't, don't start low with mind the gap, although that gig's probably worth a fortune. I'm I think it's gone, it's, they don't do it now, do they? They don't. Start high. Start high with in a world. Go on, Kev, try it. Try it. In a world. See, there we go, Kev. Hundred thousand When do I get my millions? Hundred thousand pounds. All yours, Kev. Yeah. Thank you very much. Uh, That's it. You might need that money, uh, of course, because um, uh, Omicron is causing a, a, a bit of trouble with uh, rescheduling and doing stuff with workshops. And you have a spare space, don't you, in Edinburgh? This do, which will indeed. be this coming weekend. Indeed, yeah. I've uh, I've had to cancel, go postpone a few workshops because of the Omicron or whatever you call it. Yeah. How do you say it? Well, if it's the Greek. Alphabet should be O, shouldn't it? Like Omega, Omicron. But I've heard it just said Omicron all the time. Uh, yeah, I'm guessing they wouldn't have called it Omega, though, because Omega watches would have gone nuts at them. No, 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 no. I don't mean that, but I'm talking about the, the reference of the O. Oh, uh, yes, is an I, o. I, get, yeah. I get that, yeah. yeah. I, I, don't don't know, Amiga, I, just... I don't think Omega own the Greek alphabet, do they? They <laughs> Well, maybe they do. Maybe no, they but, you know, they, they do have to be careful about these things, don't yeah. they? Because there, there's a transportation company called ISIS, isn't there? Yeah, there is. And they, had to, yeah. they had to change all their names and everything. Well, well, and I, you've I, got to be a bit careful don't, what you start calling baddies. Don't they Don't they still exist? I think they changed. I don't I don't know. I, I used to see their vans everywhere. No, I don't yeah. see them anywhere. So, yeah. you know. Um, I read something on Facebook, I can't remember where it was, where they should have they should have just called them after people. So, you know, this could be variant Barry, for example. It sounds a lot well, poor, less scary. Yeah, but poor Barry down the pub <laughs> forevermore. All right, Barry. But there's a lot less scary though, isn't it? Know, than so. Omicron. Omicron, yeah. But there are some Omicron. I did spot there was a company called Omicron as well. I can't find it now. Oh, it's disappeared uh, within days. Anyway, yes, I do have, yeah. <laughs> I do have a, a space available on Sunday in Edinburgh yeah. uh, for a street photography workshop if you want to come and be Omicron safe. Yeah. So you've got a space for that this coming week. And obviously, there will, how do they contact you, Kev? Just go to kevinmunnersworkshops.co.uk and hit the buy button. <laughs> <laughs> and you'll be all set to go. The Fujicast. Hit the buy button. Kev, you've never sounded so commercial. Uh, right, welcome along to the uh, the Fuji Cast. We're into December, Kev. It's the first one of December. Yeah, 
of the uh, of the kids. Advent calendar. Kids have advent calendars. Yeah, the kids have they. Well, last last year, I think you told me that you ate, you ate one of the advent calendars before they got anywhere close to it or something, didn't you? With, with uh, yeah, we did. Yeah. This time, my mum always gets them for them, so we had to hide them from the dogs though, because the dogs are very clever. Yeah, we even opened up the granddad cupboard. No, really. Which is a, a cupboard that we we keep. We start stocking in early, late October. We stick chocolates and things like that in there, and it's in behind the glass sliding windows. So that that that, that uh, do- dogs can be killed by chocolate, can't they? By eating chocolate. Well, Breezy's totally ambivalent to it. She'll just eat it all. <laughs> She's, I'm having it. Never, Whatever, never ill. Yeah. Well, welcome to the Fujicast. You your questions from our electronic mailbag, and of course also through the Fujicast private Facebook group that you're very welcome to become a part of if you'd like to send a mail through. Send a click at fujicast.co.uk. Do not worry if you're not a Fujifilm shooter. It's a big community. Whatever flavour you shoot, you're very, very welcome. Um, we have part two today of uh, Polly Russin as well, the street photographer, talking to us. Um, Kev still still hasn't found the books. I think the books have gone, Kev. I don't think you had that last box. I think Gemma yeah, sold, I think I Gemma don't know. sold it. The only thing I could think is they might be at Brian's house. Brian? Uh, yeah, my father-in-law. Oh, right. Um, but we don't we don't really go around there anymore because he, he doesn't like having people in the house. Wow. Well, well, in case well, you bring a nasty in with you. Oh, I see. Oh, it wasn't just that he doesn't like you in the house. <laughs> maybe it is that, actually. Yeah, maybe <laughs> no, Gemma and the kids go around all the time. No, 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 it can't be that. Right, uh, should we start with your questions? Are you going first or me, Kev? What are we doing? I don't mind going first. Go on, uh, straight into the Facebook group. Um, as is no tradition, the latest question, which was submitted 12 hours ago from Stephen Jack. Question for the show. I'm interested to hear how many photos you typically use when making a photo film and what factors influence decisions on how many to use. I'm wondering if it's all the photos you deliver to clients or a more select set designed for photo film. Thanks in advance. And then Garrett Hayes follows up by saying, what's a photo film? So maybe we should answer well, what a photo uh, film is first. Yeah, it's two different versions. Well, there's three, actually, I think, in, in our universe, Kev, because I have my version, just one, which is still images running across a music track. The still images transition to the beat or a point within the music that's correct and you're expecting um, mm. things to change through. And, they, and they're and usually short clips from the the sound, by the way, the recorded sound, short clips from speeches and uh, the service, uh, readings, that kind of thing. And if I do a portrait version, um, it can be uh, um, short clips of um, a parent reading a story, conversations maybe over lunch or that kind of thing. And then, then there are two... Alternative versions. You have your, and I'll let you describe them because you you have you have two alternatives. One one which is the very quick one, the quick fire one, Kev. Oh yeah. So um, yeah, I kind of do two, I suppose. One is the uh, standard photo film, which is uh, still set to music. I try and beat match it, uh, and actually using pick time, you can generally do that, but it, it's quite difficult to get the right amount of images. Or for the very fast one, um, I do that manually in Premiere. Uh, although I don't do too many of those because they are very, very, very hard work. But to specifically answer the question about numbers and which images, yeah, I make a specific. So when I when I export my images to the clients, they get everything, and then I will make a selection for the photo film, 
which is gen- anywhere between, I'd say, 60 and 120 images generally. And then I try and keep it to somewhere between two and three minutes yeah. in length. Um, and that's about it. But Pick Time generally does a really good job with their, their galleries, uh, with their photo films, really good job. Mm-hmm. They call them slideshows, of course. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I, it's certainly not all of them, um, not unless it's a very small wedding. I did a very small wedding the other day, for example, and I did include all of them apart from the bridal prep. So, yeah, you, you, do, you, you don't want to, I mean, if you're delivering 400 pictures, some people deliver more than that, of course, but if you, you let's just say you're delivering the average 400 pictures, you don't want a photo film with 400 pictures in, um, you know, because even if they're three seconds long, that's that's what, about, I don't know, six weeks worth of photo film? Well, if, you, if you've got a, an eight-minute photo film, my, mine are usually about eight minutes, so what's that, 480 seconds, and yeah, yours, are, yours, are the, yours, are, yours are much more creative, you know, where you put in audio and stuff. Yeah, but I'm thinking know, about the, and stuff over it. the amount of images you would need, 480 seconds divided by, because I've never counted the amount of images I use, roughly a transition of every four to five seconds, so let's call that 4.5. You would need, oh, well, you, what you said is right, Kev, isn't it? 106.6, so 100, 110 images, something like that would be okay. And you don't want the pictures uh, to go around too slowly, and you don't want them to go around too quickly. Although I do like it if it's, for example, um, if it's a really cool confetti run, and they do it really good. I, I had a set of clients a couple of weeks ago. They took me totally by surprise. They just legged it like legged it uh, up the um, uh, up the confetti aisle and you know the pictures were fine I managed to get I managed to get a whole sequence of 15 you know and they were all apart from the very first one they were all pin sharp that honestly that 18 mil lens whew, yeah. superb and so I included all of those but I sped it up at that point so you know it's like boom 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 to give the to give the idea of movement and speed yeah 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 it's quite interesting, actually, when people look at uh, a photo film back, they'll often think that they've watched moving video. I've heard, heard had that before mentioned in meetings. Oh, I thought there was video. No, no, no. <laughs> oh, yeah, my fast motion ones definitely uh, get that impression for yeah. sure. But, but I, I do them very infrequently. Um, it has to be the right wedding for a start. And obviously, they have to pay for it. And it's... Yeah, it's it's a big, big job. In the fast motion one, sorry, did you say the amount of images you use in one of those fast motion ones? It's generally, I'll use... All of them. Uh, most of them, yeah, not necessarily all of them, because some of them, obviously, you know, usually you're going to get a, a handful of images that are just, you know, missed shots, misfires, totally out of focus, whatever. Yeah. So they, they get pulled out. Yeah, generally, I mean, it can be 1,500 images, you know, so it's, it's quite a quite a challenging job. There we go. Well, good luck yeah. making your, your photo, photo films. Um, this one, from Nick in Sydney. Have you been to Australia? <laughs> no, I won't. <laughs> Love the podcast and listen um, every Tuesday. Of course, it will be Tuesday, won't it, in Sydney, Australia? Um, there's some flattery coming up here, Kev, so buckle in. Uh, Neil, this podcast has the best sound of any I listen to. I wish you could help others. Why would we want to do that, Kev? <laughs> hey, show us your money, maybe. Kev, your words of wisdom are awesome. And Kev, I love how you cut through the bullshit. <laughs> So there we go. I fell in love with Fuji in the original X100. I now have the X-T3 and X100F. Now, this question has been around for a while. So, Nick, I don't think it has appeared in my answered file because I found it in my non-answered file. You may well have by now um, got yourself an X-T4. I don't know. But we'll soldier on with the X-T3 and the X100F. So my questions. Back button focus. When do you use this versus autofocus? I assume with back button, you don't get eye focus, but I guess it doesn't matter. So there's two questions. Let's do that one first, Kev. Uh, So I use back button focus all of the time, constantly, eternally, forever. 
I, I, I never have my camera in single shot mode. Nope. Um, but try not to confuse the idea of back button focus being different from autofocus because essentially all you're doing is using a different button uh-huh. on the back of the camera to autofocus. You're, you're divorcing the shutter button from actually the, the action of focusing, um, just leaving it to do the action of, uh, you know, kaplunk, 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 take the picture. Yeah. Um, so the, the benefit being that you can focus once and take several pictures without the camera refocusing, whereas in single shot mode, obviously, it's going to try and focus every time you you, 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 you do it. Um, so I, should I say you, 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 you a few more times? What? Uh, <laughs> now it makes no sense if I've edited that out, Kev. Oh, no, you have to leave it in. Um, so, yeah, it's sound like a politician. You sound like a politician, <laughs> Kev. One, what, that one that starts with B. <laughs> yeah. now, let's be clear about this. Have you ever been to Peppa Pig World? <laughs> <laughs> that was, uh, honestly, I was, I was hiding underneath the counter. I thought, no, somebody make him stop. Somebody rugby, got, um, rugby tackle him like he did that poor child that he rugby tackled of that dude. Do you remember that one? Yeah, they've got, uh, <laughs> it was brilliant. I was laughing my head off. They've got... They've got a lovely, uh, a lovely road. <laughs> They've got a lovely, safe road. He said. Oh God! <laughs> I mean, bless. He tried to. He tried to uh, uh, shoehorn it into his speech. I tell you what, the person that got that. Do you know why that happened? By the way, because his auto cue failed, wasn't it? Well, no, because he was reading off notes, but um, somebody didn't put the numbers on the bottom of the notes. So oh, right. they so became all, all, or they became all um, um, messed around up for some reason. I don't know why. And so he couldn't find where he was supposed to. Can you can you imagine what happened uh, to that person after that speech? Show me the person that was supposed to write numbers on the on the sheets. Oh, well, I'd shake him by his <laughs> hand. I, I um, and and to think that fella is the one trying to to help oh. us through this show. Oh, do you think? Um, we'll, anyway, do you think we'll have Christmas? Chris, his- Christmas, right? Chris, you're not Chris. Christmas is Chris. Is Christmas happening, Kev? Uh, well, he said last year it would happen, didn't he? Yeah, oh, he did this year as well. Always believe a politician. Anyway, oh, no. where I mean, were- in fairness, I wouldn't want his job. Uh, he, God, he is no. a bumbling wreck of a man, but you know, he, I'm sure he is doing his absolute best. Yeah. Um, whether his best is good enough is, is remains to be seen. But anyway, hey, welcome to the politics show. Where were we? Yeah. We were on back, what was the question? back button focus. Oh, back button focus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what you do if you get a comb and you comb your hair in the morning, <laughs> then everything will appear a little bit better. It oh no, focus. sorry. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So back, don't don't confuse back button focusing from not being autofocus. Um, um, because it, it's it's essentially the same thing. It's just a different way of doing it, a quicker way of doing it for most people. Well, mm. if you if you get used to it, uh, eye focus. No, I never use eye focus. Uh, I just never do ever. Um, never you know, have ever. Uh, that's not true. Uh, well, it's not true to say I never have. I never had have at weddings. Um, I will use it when I'm doing filming. Yeah. Um, to you know to film uh, for continuous focus on subjects. Yeah. Uh, mostly myself when I'm doing the YouTube stuff. And then, yeah, I often see like these these comments about animal eye focus and you know the, the, the superb eye focus of the um, the Sony's and everything. And I, I have no doubt whatsoever. I've never used them, but I have no yeah. doubt whatsoever that they do have superb eye focus. Um, but I wonder how that would impact me if if basically you just followed the same person around and pointed your camera and pressed the shutter button a thousand times. Would that be less fun for me? I don't know. I think it, it probably would. It, but, was, it was a very yeah. a, a very early Canon camera that used the technology where you moved your retina, the focus would follow. That would be weird, wouldn't it? 
Yeah. Can you imagine that? Yeah, that would be weird. If it was Um, instant, you know, look over there, 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 then choose it, click, done. But here's a here's a side note. We're talking about retina detection and kind of face following and all that kind of stuff. Did you know from yesterday you can't post on Twitter um, any po- any images without express permission from the subject in it? Really? Um, wow. Yeah. Whoa. So that includes street photos, um, all kinds of basically anything with people in it. Um, and this is this is this has all come about to stop this. And another term that's that's hit us that I didn't really know what it meant, but it's called doxing. Apparently, D O X X I N G or something, which is essentially you know outing people's personal homes and places, and you know what they're doing and all that kind of stuff in the public place. So that there's a bit of a, 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 a shitstorm on on, well, how, on social media. How about on that. earth is news going to cope with that? Well, no. So editorial news, that kind of stuff, is uh, is kind of granted. However. Um, what they actually, what they also came back with after a little bit of a, a backlash is that if somebody says they don't want that picture published, they will immediately remove it. Yeah. Um, so they will also, there will be algorithms put in place to check to see whether they think it's a newsworthy picture or not. So yeah, things like street photos, I don't know how that will manifest itself. I don't put wedding pictures on Twitter anyway, to be honest with you. No, um, no. I don't even, I don't put any twi- pictures on Twitter, to be honest with you. But I think, um, I know Nick, Nick Turpin was, uh, was interviewed by the BBC about it. And, uh, you know, he was saying that, you know, this is, we live in a democracy, and he's right, we live in a democracy, and, and I'm paraphrasing him here, you know, mm. we live in a democracy, and, uh, you know, the democracy of uh, where, you you know, if you do something in the public realm, it is of it should be for public record. Uh, or could be for public record. And, uh, you know, it shouldn't be up to social media platforms to dictate what that public record is. Uh, and I agree with him fully, um, you know, because 99.9% of the people are not putting malicious things up there. They're not doxing or boxing or locksing or in or whatever next term they come up with. You know, it's a very, very minority of people doing that. Mm. Um, you know, the easiest way to deal with all of this rubbish is you know you shouldn't be able to have a social media you shouldn't be able to have a twitter account unless you're an adult so you know show your in my mind if i was if i was god of twitter i would say right you can only have a twitter account if you you know upload your passport or your driving license you know and you're accountable and it's trackable and everything like that of course they won't do that because they sell their advertising based you know houses in order here well, when when Twitter manages to sort itself out with um, with some of the really nasty bits of social media, you know the the bullying, the harassment, the terrorism, might, might I might add as well, and all that kind of stuff that Twitter is sometimes abused for. Once they've sorted their house out, then start sorting our house out. Yeah, yeah, true. I mean, that's that's a very good angle on it for sure. Um, I, I do feel like it's a very simple fix. Just delete everybody off Twitter and tell them they all have to register again with their passports. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> Think it'll happen. Oh, see ya. Oh, look. But he's just stepped down, hasn't he? The Twitter, what's his name, Jack? Uh, whatever a, pig, his name is. a pig just flew across the sky, Kev. <laughs> he, did, he did stand out. So there's a there's an opening to be god yeah. of god of twitter if you want that i'm gonna one. apply yeah. yeah i'm gonna apply i'm yeah. gonna send in a voice message i've got a few ideas you could say well, with your deep voice now they'd love yeah. you They'd come That's on coming yeah. in yeah yeah twitter um <laughs> there was a second part to the question oh by the way before we do that second part uh whizzing back just a little bit to uh to bojo i had a contact at a i was told this by a man who owned a dog down the smoking dog along Marnsbury high street who said that it was a wonderful um, piece where, where he said that uh, 
When Boris turns up on uh, on television sets, he is known to rough his hair up. So he turns up okay, but it's all part of the act, this disheveled bojo look. I don't know how true that is. I'm prepared to believe it. That, for the that's humor what I alone. do at weddings. That's what I do at that's weddings. What you do. Yeah. I purposely go looking like a tramp. Yeah, I'm wearing your blue suede shoes. Right, second part to this question from Nick. Kev, you said uh, you've replaced your XT with X Pro 3s as you prefer them. I'm curious... Uh, with them being so similar, what do you love on the X Pro versus XT? Now, this does show that it's a few months old, this question, because yeah. you're happily using the XT4. But if there was an, a new X Pro um, to play with, Kev, would that would that sort of veer you back towards X Pro again? Yeah, so, yeah, absolutely. So the XT3 and the X Pro 3, um, I had both. Well, I still have both, in fact. I have two X Pro 3s. Um, and I, I've always preferred the X Pro range, the rangefinder style, the ergonomics of it. I much prefer to be able to shoot with my left eye open at yeah. the same time. Yeah. I just prefer the lightness. I just prefer everything about it. And so with the X-T3, it was exactly the same inside, just different ergonomics. Yeah. Um, now, what I have always liked about the X-T range, though, is, uh, is I prefer to use it for filming. Um, mostly because of the uh, what used to be the tilt screens and all that kind of stuff. Um, and uh, traditionally, the XT range had better, uh, you know, in the first kind of tr- branches of the, the cameras coming out, would have better 4K footage and all that kind of stuff. And then, of course, the XT4 came along, which I had no interest in until I borrowed one. And, uh, and then I, I realized that the IBIS in the XT4 actually did make a difference. And it might have been coincidental that it came at the same time as that 18mm 1.5 four lens i don't know but um uh, yeah so i have an xt4 and now let me tell you though if if tomorrow an x pro 4 came out with ibis built into it i would swap directly straight back to the x pro um for everything yeah so i still shoot with x x pro 3 and xt4 and uh, now we're running into winter i've just taken delivery of a one of those 50 mil f1 lenses um because i've got some I'm at I'm at the dreaded um, well not dreaded but I'm at the the darkest church in the world St Ethel Dreaders on oh. <laughs> uh, just just before the longest I, uh, shortest day of the year <laughs> I know I know that place well we've both worked that place quite a few times that yeah, was the one it's a lovely, Kev, lovely church where you go through that little opening uh, into mm. where they sign the register you always go into the priest's home don't you I think it's his home isn't it next door and he has that table laid out and they it's the sacristy they call it is yeah it the sacristy, so it's like sorry. the side side bit yeah uh, sorry i didn't know my Come on, get your terminology sacristies right. from my my starter homes <laughs> uh but uh on the way back down we've talked about this there's a bell that they ring isn't it they ring that why do yeah. they ring that bell it's just probably to make you give them money oh right <laughs> well Ling-ling. get the, your wallet out. the the bell on a wedding day is to tell the organist to start playing isn't it uh, because the bride's coming out and about to start the recessional with her with her uh, with her husband husband and, and wife are coming out but i i slipped down those steps reached up grabbed the bell ding a ling a ling and, and the and the uh, hymn started uh, before they were anywhere close to coming out <laughs> <laughs> i did get a look from him but um, he's probably, he's been there about 104 years, that particular priest, hasn't he? Uh, yeah, well, the last time I was there, he was very, very elderly. I don't know if he's still there, but maybe, oh, hopefully know. he is. I was there, you know, earlier this year. He's still there, Kev. He's still, he's still there. He really Good. is. 
Right, your your go, your question. Okay, Graham Harry's. Hi, gents. Uh, trust you both well. I'm heading to the Faroe Islands. Oh, I'd love to go to the Faroe Islands, mm. um, and would like to shoot a video of the trip. Do you know what? There's there is a wonderful right before we get to the question. There is a wonderful web website called Radio Garden. Radio Garden. Right. Um, and if you go on there, you can you can you have a picture of the globe, right. and all around. Is little green dots. Oh, you showed me this. I managed and to it, find a yeah. yeah, if you, yeah. If you zoom in, you get all of the local uh, radio stations. It plants seeds, doesn't it? it does yeah. The yeah. more you use, the better it is for the planet. It's as well. looking. You can hear it in the background. It's looking at the moment. <laughs> Hold on, Kev. That's our copyright claim busted. <laughs> Well, that bit that you just heard, I'll have to cut out because we're not allowed to know. I didn't realise it was going to play it straight away. Yeah, so it, just, yeah, yeah. it zooms into a radio station then. Yeah, and you can zoom. So I, I love going to like places like the Faroe Islands and just listening to the news. Wonderful. Oh. <laughs> Wonderful, you know. Yeah, well, I used it to go and listen to a, a load of radio stations in, in West Africa. Have a, yeah, <laughs> it's brilliant. Yeah, it's absolutely yeah, fantastic. fantastic. Makes you feel like you're there, Kev. You do. I found I found an entire radio station in Samoa dedicated to rugby. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's amazing, no, fantastic. I can't really understand, although they're they're kind of speaking uh, English. It's it's yeah. very accented. Yeah, um, you'd get lost in America. There's three gazillion radio stations. There's there. billions of them. Yeah. yeah. Um, what are we talking about though? Oh yeah, Faroe Islands. Yeah, yeah. there we go. So the Faroe Islands. I, lo- <laughs> I like listening to the weather and the news in the Faroe Islands. Yeah. Uh, uh, so he goes on to say he wants to shoot video in the Faroe Islands. I've dabbled with video, but I'm far from an expert. My dilemma is with the quality settings. Yeah. I'll be taking a Fujifilm XH1. DJI Mavic Pro 2 nice. and DJI Osmo Pocket. Oh. oh, those Osmo Pockets. What are your thoughts on 4K versus full HD versus HD? Also, what about mixing the frame rate? Is it better to stick to the one through the trip the full HD settings appear on the X-H1? Well, stick with the frame rate if you can, which is going to be harder when it comes to the drone, unless you have some ND filters on that drone, because it's almost, it's nigh on impossible to do anything about frame rate when you stick something in the sky and then realise there's a lot more light up here than there is down there. Um, that that would be, and I would stick to 4K, wouldn't you, Kev? Because, um, and, and actually, stick it in a, a log profile as well. Which you can do, I think, with the Mavic, can't you? I'm not sure you can do it with the Osmo, though. Okay, I'm not sure you can do it with the XH1 either. Uh, I would probably go for, because you've got three completely separate different things, I would go for a simple film simulation, yeah. the most neutral one on all of them, Eternal. so you can blend it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, 4K, although that does depend a lot on how much you intend on filming um, and how much you can uh, store and edit later. Yeah. Um, and yeah, frame rates, try and keep the frame rates the same. Although, obviously, if you're going to be blending slow mo with fast mo, um, then you're going to be using different frame rates. For example, you might be using 120 frames yeah. per second for uh, slow mo of, uh, you know, night trails or I don't know, a waterfall or something. Do you know, I had to think about this because I haven't used F Log or any of the logs on any of the cameras I've used for quite a while. I've just been doing some really sim- simple stuff using um, profiles. But XH1, yeah, I, um, ISO defaults to 800 and F-Log. So, yeah, the F- F-Log is there. And there is oh, a, it is there. And there is yeah, the a, ISO yeah, would be 800 and yeah. F-Log, always will be. But the, the um, there is a, I'm sure there's a log a profile on the on the Mavic. M-Log, don't know. M-log. I, have a, I don't know. Mavic Pro 2, is that one of the latest ones? D- D-Log, D-Log colour profile. Yeah. 
The DJI Osmo Pocket, I had one of those things and I nearly threw it at the wall when I was in Dubai. Why? I could not get it. it every time I double clicked on it, it would spin around like a lunatic on acid. <laughs> um, I did a video. It was really funny. There's a video <laughs> on my YouTube channel about um, this trip to Dubai and, and me and Zach Arias are sat on a bus trying to figure out this this oh, thing. Oh, yes, I remember. And it, it. <laughs> he's using it. And every time he double clicks on it, it yeah. looks at me. And every time I double click on it, it looks at him. <laughs> it's like two, uh, two old men trying to figure out how to use modern technology. It did not uh, go down very well. <laughs> oh, dear. But I mean, they are great little units, aren't they? They really are. If you, if you, if you can make it work. Yeah. But keep your frame rate similar. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Otherwise, you're going to have. I mean, it's not technically impossible, but you you will be. You'll find it easier editing yeah. if you can get your frame rates to be similar. And yeah. uh, so, and also it depends on the time of the year. So Neil mentioned ND filters. Um, you may well need those for your XH1 as well, because if you if, if you're going in the summertime, um, you know, and you're going to be shooting in the day, and you want to yeah. you know, do cinematic depth of field, then you're going to you're going to be wanting to bring down you use uh, use ND filters to to you know to keep that exposure level. That that sorted. Let's yeah, uh, yeah. I'm go to the Faroe Islands. Tick Faroe Islands cross at the moment. The world will open up, Kev. Bojo's got a plan. He's going to to inject everybody. Right, shall we um, play our interview with Polly Russin? This is part two, street photographer Polly Russin, uh, of our conversation with her. Polly, I I know that you uh, you like a a good, sunny, contrasty day, but um, in a conversation we had before we switched the microphones on, you also commented to me as you were looking out of your window thinking shall i go shall i go photographing today um that rainy days can can equally be well they can be quite advantageous to street photographers why yes because people will be more concerned with staying dry and and holding their umbrellas down uh than they are about some weirdo with a camera who's trying to take pictures of them (laughs) referring to myself um Yes, people behave differently in 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 inclement in weather. Yeah. Um. What What is the department of street photography? You are you are as you correctly term yourself the boss. The boss. Yes. <laughs> um. The department of street photography is uh, my new uh, brand. Yes. So previously it was the Photo Weekender. So that was where I was sort of running. Um, workshops from um, the, the weekend workshops overseas, uh, which kind of haven't happened for two years. Mm. But I decided that I needed to sort of pivot that a little bit and make it less about the weekends and more about other street photography resources. I, I, I've called it sort of courses, resources and workshops. Uh, so there's, there's lots of stuff that I'm playing with, um, creating uh, which are coming up soon. The street photography playbook is one of them, and that's I'm I'm releasing that very soon. Been um, dragging my feet a little bit on it because I'm getting used to this whole new platform that I've put the department on. Um, so I moved away from an old platform. So this like will be getting used to the IT. So the department of street photography is where I'm I'm running my street photography business, and I'm very excited about it. Yeah. Is it possible to teach street? Um, which seems an odd question to ask somebody who runs workshops on it, I know. But do you, do you think people have to come in with an, an element of 
knowing exactly what they're going to do with an eye that's not not formally trained, but 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 it's got a pretty good understanding of of how to photograph street scenes. I think everything is learnable. Yeah, and I think um, you know, obviously, you have an advantage if you have already a creative eye. Yeah, but I do believe that you take people down to the basics of being able to manipulate light, um, being able to seek out moments, being able to compose. These are all things that I believe can be taught. And then when they're all put together and practice, 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 I think anybody can become a street photographer, not just a not just a snapper of street pictures. And, and in terms of business, because street is your business, this is, this is how you earn your money now. Is it a, a business for, for many or, or, or can it be or is it really the favoured few, such as yourself and, and, and those that are published? That's a difficult uh, question to answer. Um, I, think you can, I think you can build a community from scratch. Yeah. You know, you could, and you can start running. The way I started was running meetups. And I just had three people on my very first meetup. Um, And then the meetups developed into workshops, into weekends. I I don't think it's possibly not something that you could do exclusively. Uh, You probably need, it's like one of your hustles. Um, And then I also do personal brand photography. I haven't ventured into weddings and I probably never will. (laughs) (laughs) um although although i mean my my good friend reprobate mullin says that you know shooting a what does he say shooting a word think of me like a street photographer i just happened to be at your wedding yeah 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 that would that's (laughs) awesome i just can't i just can't hack the the idea of like 10 hours straight (laughs) well I'll, i'll give you that it's a marathon um, 2021 has um, been a tough year, I know, when it comes to photographing on the streets, uh, making pictures of tourists, which I know you enjoy doing. Um, but uh, but you've you've had a few successes on the the publishing front, the travel photographer's way for starters. Uh, what what's the book about? Um, it's it's just jam packed full of awesome content. Um, Nora Jamil, she's a brilliant photographer, travel photographer. Um, brilliant writer, um, also brilliant teacher, and she puts all of it into into this book. Mm. Um, and I actually met her um, at the beginning of 2020, so it was literally a few days, maybe a month before lockdown, the first lockdown, yeah. um, at the National Geographic Traveller Masterclasses, where I'd been invited to talk about street photography and travel. Um, and Norai was presenting as well, and we met that way. And also met Lola there, and she's also been was invited to to contribute to this book. So um, Norai created this book, and um, and then asked like ten, I think it was ten photographers to contribute interviews and images. Uh, so it's really cool to to have been um, included in that. So I'm super excited because that's actually the second book that I've got myself into well the other the other one yes your page 24 in the 100 women street photographers <laughs> book by Gulnara Samoylova I know that one because I've, yeah. I've spoken with Gulnara about the, about that book and of course I saw your name in it um so yeah. that, that was that that was great wasn't it oh that was just awesome it's such a beautiful book yeah um and to you know to to, to see that image 
you know, over those pages um, in that beautiful book, the first book dedicated to women street photographers. Honestly, I can't even describe how that feels. And that's a world. That's a worldwide title. I mean, Galnada yeah. had had a globe to choose from. Yeah, I don't know how she narrowed it down to a hundred <laughs> women. <laughs> I honestly don't. So I'm super happy that I was one of them. That was amazing. Do you uh, do you still receive the same excitement when you connect with a subject? Uh, when you're out on the street and you see something, is that still, oh, got it, nailed it, Polly, got it. Um, yes. Is the excitement yeah. still the same as ever? Yes, it is, um, absolutely. It's Sometimes it's such, it's just such a buzz. Yeah. You know, I, I take the pressure off myself when I'm out taking pictures. I, I just tell myself one half decent picture, um, see what happens. And and then I, it's kind of way of tricking myself into um, just relaxing into the street and then uh, but I do still get a massive buzz you're not you're not you're not so harsh on yourself then because I know some photographers you know they go out and they it, it can it can be a stressful thing I'm coming back with nothing I don't like it you know this is the third day in a row yeah no it's not it's not worth it's not worth stressing over because no. um, it, it part of the enjoyment is just doing it mm. and then you know, if you get if you get a shot that you're happy with, that's a keeper, then that's that's really a bonus. And then it's like, I mean, it's always worth going out. It just makes it even more worth yeah. going out. How how has um, being an ambassador been? Because um, you you are at the moment part of the the Fujifilm ambassador uh, program as a as as an ex photographer. I always feel strange saying ex. It sounds like you're I know, f- former, I know. but you're certainly not. You're certainly not a former. You're you're right in the middle of it. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But how has that been for you? Oh, uh, an honour, honestly, an honour. Unfortunately, I was made ambassador just before the pandemic. I know, well. I know. But I've still, I've still done a few workshops and stuff for Fujifilm, and I just love, I absolutely love the product. Well, um, you're an X100 user, aren't you? Is that F or V? Yeah. Going to be V, isn't it? V. Yeah, V for Vivian Meyer. Yeah. <laughs> well. <laughs> That, that's that's not a that's not a bad person to associate with the letter V. That that's for sure. What about the? It's an XT three that you use, or have you moved to the XT four now? I've got the three. You got the three. I probably won't move to the four. No, I don't like the the screen. Ah, I prefer the the screen on the three. Yeah. The way that it the way that it flips, but. It's still it's still a, a, a super camera. I love the XT three, um, but the X one hundred B for street photography is the one. Yeah, I, I want to come full circle back to your bio, which is where we started our conversation with. You didn't achieve that Nobel Prize for medicine that you quite fancied, Polly. Um, <laughs> is um, is medicine's loss now firmly photography's gain, or or or, or, or do you think you could ever down your cameras? And pick up something else, be it a stethoscope or whatever. <laughs> um, I, I think my days of, of being a doctor uh, <laughs> are over before they started. <laughs> but what about? But what about anything else? Could you do anything else now? Yes, I'm. I'm writing a novel, mm, and that's s- all I'm going to say. <laughs> Don't, don't leave us on on that cliff edge. I'm imagining you now, uh, obviously, in a, as I do with all um, authors when they say to me I'm writing a novel, I just instantly think of one particular famous author that sat in a coffee shop in a in a in a small part of Edinburgh and and, and, and created a fortune and a dynasty. Watch this space. <laughs> 
Our thanks to Polly Russin for the last couple of weeks on the show, and we'll link to her work on the show page today. This Thursday, Mullins takes to the air on the internet with his uh, show on IncapableStaircase.com as Country Boyo. At 3.30pm, he plays an hour of country, of course, doing what it says on his tin. Well, the tin that you can buy wine in from, Paulton Hill Estate Wine, in a can. Sponsors to the radio station, and by extension, our Kev. Then on Friday, I'll be out photo-walking on my podcast, Photography Daily, and we're talking about imposter syndrome, amongst other things, with some really strong ways to, to try and cut through the negative thinking side. Plus, my guest is Magnum photographer Mark Power, talking about a new project and revisiting an old for a re-edited version of The Shipping Forecast. Photography Daily is on Friday and available wherever you get your podcasts. Right, back to your questions. Um, Let's start with Dan O'Reilly. Hi, Neil. Hi, Kev. I'm currently switching from Canon to Fuji, and uh, I'm in a dilemma. I don't know whether to choose a Fujifilm X-T2. Now, you're going to say, when did this come in? But actually, it was only the other day, Kev. Or a Fujifilm X-T30. Do either of you have experience with these? I was originally looking at the X-T30, as that's uh, what's in my price range. It looks really good. The only issues I would have is that uh, the SD cards and ergonomics and usability of the, the smaller camera would be a factor, while the, uh, the T2 is also in the same range. It seems to have better ergonomics and physically uh, uh, what I'm looking for, for, but maybe less up-to-date specs and wouldn't be better in the long run. So obviously... Um, uh, my thoughts that he'd instantly go for a three or a four uh, will be because we're thinking of the cost here, which makes perfect sense. Um, I don't know uh, what to choose. Any help or advice would be greatly appreciated. So, T2, T30. Well, my first question is, if it's for professional photography, then I'd go for the T2 because you've got your dual card slots. Yeah. Otherwise, I'd probably go for the T30 because although ergonomically and build-wise, it's slightly lesser, uh, it does still have better sensor and better gubbins inside. Yeah. Um, there's more. There's more fairies pedaling harder in that camera than in the XT2. Um, but you know, if you've got big fingers and your you know big hands and all that kind of stuff, the XT2 might be a thing. You know, get your hands on both of them. Go to a shop. You know, but ultimately, if you're thinking of shooting um, professionally with it, which obviously we don't know, then I would probably err on the side of caution and go for the XT2 with its dual card slots. If it weren't for the dual card slots, would you be able to use the T30 happily, happily for your pro work, Kev? Yeah, I, I think I've got one. Have you? Somewhere <laughs> in a cupboard. Oh, my cupboard. Yeah, yeah I think so. Um, How many I cupboards do you have, a... Kev? How many cupboards do you have? Uh, Never-ending cupboards. You're like the um, the, Mary Pop- to... the Mary Poppins of photography. You open a I cupboard need... and so much more comes out of it than you'd ever think possible. I need to I need to get on. I need to drop a load off to MPB because yeah. we just ordered the 33 1.4 as well. And I, I'm, lit, I'm, you know, I desperately need to sell some stuff to justify it. Oh. Um, so maybe the XT30 would be one of those things. I bought that because I wanted a, a vlogging camera ah. and then I never did any vlogging. No. Um, so uh, you have yeah. made some videos of late. You've been back on YouTube. You've been active, Kev. I've done a couple of videos. Yeah. 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 A couple. We should link to those. We'll link to those actually in the show notes today. We shall. Yeah, yeah. we shall. Uh, so yes, I mean, ultimately XT30, better technology inside, smaller, more plasticky, XT20, sorry, XT2, 
lesser technology inside, more durable, double card slots. Why, why didn't you vlog more in the end? What, what was the reason for that? Because there was a stage we were both talking about going gung-ho with stuff. Uh, I, I tried it once and I, I honestly, I felt like a complete... Right. That was the reason, basically, walking around London, staring at myself into a camera. Yeah. I mean, some people do it and they do it amazingly well. Um, but those people generally are good-looking 20-somethings, not, uh, you know, not a, a tired-looking, hungover, middle-aged man with, you know, desperately trying not, not to get oh. his ball patch in the in the camera and, you know, staring at his eyebrows that he wishes he didn't have and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, just, it, I just gave up. My, Michael Schilling um, gave me the um, – I must look this up and we'll try and remember to put this in the, in the show notes as well, perhaps – um, th- this guy who is um, slightly more mature um, that that is doing these amazing videos. He just he goes on a he, essentially it's not really a photo walk. It's a history walk. Could be a photo walk, but but he goes on a on, on a history walk around parts of London. Really good. He's all right. Kev, he doesn't worry about his bald spot. Mm, talking of the streets of London, mm. I'm going to see Ralph McTunn on Thursday. I cannot wait. What a link, blimey! Mm, yeah, that was a good that was a good one, wasn't it? Ralph McTell is he still alive? <laughs> you would not believe how many people have said that to me in the past week when I've well, said that. I'm just one more, is he? Yeah, uh, oh, uh, he, he is, and he's amazing. Yeah. Um, and I, he's got a new album out, so I'm going to Bristol. Me and Gemma are going to go to Bristol. Yeah. Um, a friend of mine kindly sorted us out with some tickets, which is very, very kind. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. How old is Ralph McTell? Uh, I would guess probably okay. late 60s. Well, I've got the know. answer in front of me. He's four years older than Richard Thompson and two years older than Dave Pegg. I don't know who either of those two people are. <laughs> well, it's just it's just because it came up with people also search for. Uh, um, Ralph McTell uh, was born 3rd of December 1944, makes him 76. Oh, 76, which is my... Actually, no, he'll be 77 no. by the time this show comes out. Only just because uh, just before the weekend, he would have had his birthday. When's his birthday? Third December. Third. Oh. Yeah. Right, so I'll, I'll be going to see him. I will have seen him the day before his birthday. I'll take him a birthday card. <laughs> yeah, well, you'll go down very well then. I've got a birthday uh, card for you, Ralph. Quick. Yeah, Get the uh, weird guy out there, Ralph. <laughs> Send him out. He's a groupie. <laughs> Send him out. <laughs> yeah, no I got my Ralph McTell t-shirt ready. I had no idea you went to Ralph McTell. Good oh, I love. Uh, yeah, I love all that singer-songwriter stuff. Yeah. Always well. liked him. Yeah, always. And, and you know, everybody everybody says, oh, he's the guy that did Streets of London, isn't he? And he yeah, is, he is, of course. Yeah. That was his, his major hit. But yeah. his music is, is way beyond that. In fact, m- at most, I've seen him maybe four or five times, and I've only ever once heard him sing uh, Streets of London live. He just generally doesn't play it. I think sometimes they get a bit fed up with being associated with one one thing, don't they? The Stones, yeah. the Stones had a problem with that recently because, of course, some of their songs um, have um, a meaning that these days is is not quite so acceptable socially. So they, they've had to drop some of their songs, mm. uh, which they will no longer play because of, um, well... Oh, audience. I know all about that. You know, when I'm doing the radio show preparing that, there's a whole load of songs that you, you know, I have to listen through every single one just to make yeah. sure there's nothing that could upset people, even though, you know, 10 years ago, nobody would have batted an eyelid. Yeah. It's quite difficult. Yeah. The world we live in, it's a, it's a democracy. Everybody's entitled to their opinion. 
<laughs> your question. Unless you're on Twitter, in which case you're not. <laughs> your question, Kev. Okay, so this is more of a, a pointer to information. This is from Thomas Hamill, and we've 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 mentioned um, James Revilius before, but he he basically says, "Hi, gents, great show. I was sent this website by my uncle, and would love to hear your thoughts." And it's the Beefford Archive, which we we have spoken to um, Robin Revilius uh, way back in like. Episode three, I think, I went to um, speak to Robin Revillius, James's yeah. uh, wife, yeah. and she mentioned the Beeford archive, of course, a lot. So we have linked to it. We have mentioned it a lot. Um, but one thing that we probably haven't mentioned too much is that the other photographer involved in that is Roger Deakins. So Thomas is essentially pointing us at the Beeford archive, um, and, uh, you know, it is an amazing, amazing set of work. Um, for those that don't know Roger and uh, James's work, it's uh, based in North Devon, just essentially documenting the life um black and white beautiful stuff yeah. absolutely beautiful you can buy prints you can support the archive you can uh, support robin you can support everybody who's involved in it um by going to the bfordarchive.org uh, we will link to it of course that if you're listening and you can't get to the links it is b-e-a-f-o-r-d-a-r-c-h-i-v-e.org there we go you sound like one uh, of those computerized things then the, on, <laughs> on hold messaging that's another thing you could do with your voice kev with a new rough Rougher, lower, deeper voice. I could be a elevator announcer. Level one. No, but it sounds a little bit. It's a little bit um, Evil Dead the way you <laughs> way you say it. You don't want to be in an elevator and somebody says, "I suppose you thought you were going to level four. I want to get out. Mm. Um, well, we haven't had a question from him for for so long, but here's one from the Howling Bassett. <laughs> yes. Blah yada blah etc etc says Howling. Possibly a sensitive question, oh no, for all wedding photographers out there, but have you ever been propositioned or flirted with at a wedding? I'll go first, he says. He was a bit he's a bit keen. Never happened to me, which would be quite disconcerting if I hadn't made the conscious decision with my second wife to purposefully and completely let myself go to take myself out of the market. Isn't that supposed to be off the market, so to speak? Thoughts, question mark, from the one and only Howling. Oh. There's a lot of howling going on in Cranbrook in Kent. Have you ever been propositioned, Kev? No. (laughs) You must have been. Don't tell me that. I don't believe it. Not that I can... The the thing is, to be totally honest with you, I was rubbish at dating and all that kind of stuff. I wouldn't... Even if I was, I probably wouldn't have noticed. I wouldn't have known. No? No. I'm useless at that kind of stuff. How did you and Gemma get together then? Did you... Did you... Were you as useless with the chatting up lines for Gemma? Yeah. Well, I knew Gemma a very long time. (laughs) Oh, actually, no, we can't talk about this, can we? <laughs> we just fell in love. <laughs> yes, that's it. That was it. And then yeah. we had some champagne, yeah. and we had lots of children, and now we've got a horse. Yeah, a couple of dogs, a couple yeah. of dead hamsters. The horse thing didn't work. Hold on. There we go. There's Stars. There's Star. Car bills. Bathroom that needs repairing. Mortgage. Oh, you're not allowed to have your room at the bottom Bench of the gar- garden. No, you're not allowed to have that because mm. you live in Posh Malmesbury. You can't have anything that looks slightly different to, um, well, look, looks slightly newer than the 580-year-old I'm building. I'm going to fight it. I'm going to get my way. Are you? Um, oh. Have you been propositioned? No. I know. <laughs> well, look at me, Kev. I mean, we, we, we kind of, you know, we're making fun of it a bit, but because it is humorous, but yeah. I would imagine that, I mean, I don't, I don't personally know anybody that this has happened to, but yeah. I would imagine that there's been 
you know, occasions where certainly female photographers have, have found themselves in tricky situations with drunk guests and things like Absolutely that. Absolutely, that's happened. Yes, now that is a very... Ah, now, there's a serious twist on this because I do know of at least one photographer I've had this conversation with, and she said, she said very much that. That, uh, yeah, you do have to deal with... Oh, here, here's us talking about, you know, there's two uh, grey, one bald, one worry that he's balding, Com- comfortable... Um, both grey. Both grey. <laughs> well, and we're talking about it from a man's point of view, but of course, mm. of course, from, the, from, from, from a, a female photographer's point here, this is very serious, actually. Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's not a nice thing, I would no. imagine. No, um. so... Actually, perhaps this is something we should open up wider. We'd like to hear your experiences because you might have something that is uh, completely the opposite to what we're talking about. So why don't you send that in to click at fujicast.co.uk? I think that's a very good conversational point. Done. Right, Kev, your question. Uh, okay, John St. John. John St. John. 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 John, isn't it? Yeah. It is. Uh, question reference in new 18 and 27 mil lenses. Yeah. With the advent of the new updated 18 mil to uh, f.1.4 and the 27 mil that now has an aperture ring, why have these focal lengths now become a usable lens with field of view still the same when before they were ignored because of the field of view? I get that the 18 mil is faster, focus and f-stop, but the focal length is the same and the 27 surely can't be usable because of an aperture ring. The glass is the same. My pre-owned X-Pro1 came with a 27mm to 41mm equivalent, which at first seemed odd to me, but in bygone times, it was the standard lens and is nearer to our eyes than a 35mm, 50mm equivalent. Yeah, I mean, I don't really understand the question. I have to say that the the 18mm has become usable for me because it's faster and it's faster to focus and it's better in low light. Same for the 27mm. It's it's about... some. I I actually like the original 27mm. I had three of them. I lost them. I like the fact it didn't have the aperture ring. I used to use that on my own ZX-T30. But I don't have the new 27mm. But again, you know, it's faster to focus. The 18mm absolutely is hands down... The difference between the 18mm 1.4 and the 18mm f2 in terms of performance is about a billion. That's small, eh? Yeah, at least a billion mm. performance points. Uh, and that's why people are using it. That's why people are loving it. Not because it's a different field of view. It's exactly the same field of view, of course. Mm. Um, I always liked using my 18mm F2 at weddings when I first had it, but it always had to be in you know, in good light. Well, not mm. good light, but I couldn't trust it in low light. You know, It didn't have a linear motor. It wasn't quick to focus. And also um, it, wasn't, it didn't have a fast enough aperture for when things got really, really dark. So the 18mm f1.4 has come along and it is it is absolutely stellar. I love yeah. it to bits. Uh, I haven't used my 23mm, my beloved 23 1.4 since I got that. Yeah. I just haven't. However, would, I haven't got the new 23 1.4. So. With this uh, this 18 now, would this be your desert island uh, lens? Yeah, it would. Um, so I'm using 20. I'm using 18 and 56 1.2 exclusively although i do have that big 50 mil now just for these super dark winter weddings um on low, i've got that on loan um so yeah do you think 18. you can shoot a whole wedding with it with what the 18 yeah easily i mean i probably wouldn't because i like to deliver some uh more intimate kind of close-up shots you know especially during the first dance and stuff like that i do like to get some some nice 
depth of field yeah. um, shots and a couple during the ceremony, depending on location and position. But yeah, absolutely. If I only, if, if, if I could only, if I had to shoot a wedding with one lens, that would be the one I'd pick up. Guaranteed. hundred percent. Um, here's 110%, one. 110%. 1 billion percent. Oh, you can't have 110%. You can't have it. 10 million percent. It doesn't exist. Um, the, the, <laughs> The uh, the father-in-law, who's a former maths teacher, although he still does uh, maths maths classes, a private tuition, but um, he he that's his thing. If you go over a hundred percent, say can't have it, can't have it. There's no such thing. Can't have one hundred and ten percent. James Sauls, are you ready for now? This is a very techy one. Are you ready for a techy one? This is definitely mm-hmm. your. I'm batting this your way. Good evening. I uh, hope you're both well and COVID free. Before I go, well, we're hoping to be, before I go bonkers trying to figure this out, I was wondering if you could help. My last three emails I've sent to new customers have landed in their junk box. There's a good chance, actually, that other people have this problem too. So listen on. Uh, This hasn't happened before, except for the very odd occurrence before I'd properly set up authentication. I have my DKIM, uh, my SPF, DMARC, they're all set up, they seem okay. Using mailtester.com, I get a score of 9.5 out of 10 with only one issue showing, a broken link with my signature. I've attached a screenshot of this to help explanation. Uh, I can't understand why the link is showing as broken with a 403 error forbidden code. The link works. I've tried to apply the link to the signature in a number of different ways, such as hyperlinking text and simply typing the link into the signature. I always get the same error on the report. There's a second link to another website which is under construction, and that doesn't show an error. Would this 403 be the cause of my emails going into people's junk? If so, Kev, I've just put the Kev bit in because I know this is for you. How do I fix this? A little detail, he says, my email service is with Office 365, purchased via GoDaddy. My website domain was purchased via GoDaddy and is linked to my website that is housed on PixieSet. Any advice? You probably will never get this as it's gone to your junk folder. <laughs> well, no, it didn't go to the junk folder. We've got it. Okay, so a couple of things. Um, I would, if you've got a link that's that's uh, causing a, a, issues in the uh, DMARC tests, just get rid of the link. What's don't, DMARC? Just don't have a link. What's DMARC? Uh, it's like um, checking for spam kind of configuration is very complicated you can use there's a um there's a website called domain tools you can use to check your um domain email address spam rating Uh, and it looks at things like dmarks and spiffs and all of that kind of stuff and checks that everything is set up correctly the fact that you're using um uh, office 365 would mean that most of those probably all of those should be okay but if you are if you are having issues with a uh, a link i would just ditch it you you don't need to have a link in your email footers you, people how many do you ever click on links and email footers no no, no. no exactly no. uh so so just ditch it i would um the other side of that is, um, although you're using Office 365, it's probably still going through the GoDaddy mail servers, which ultimately might be where, if you're using a shared mail server, then that may well be where the the lower grade is coming from. Um, if you go to Domain Tools and you do the uh, email um, blacklist testing, you want 100% on that. If you don't have 100%, then you are going to still get some emails uh, dipping into spam somewhere down the line. 
GoDaddy, unfortunately, they're, they're, you know, I've, I've spoke to lots of people who, who use GoDaddy and do have issues with their email spam. Um, that's not to say that it can't be fixed or it can't be a configuration thing, you know, speak to GoDaddy, whatever. But um, yeah, you, you do need to just be a little bit careful. For, for myself, personally, I use um, Exchange, Microsoft Exchange, but I, I purchased my Microsoft Exchange account directly from Microsoft. They're all over that stuff. You know, they look after every single part of it. It's just brilliant. It cost me 11 quid a month. Um, and so I, you know, I trust them explicitly rather than going through another third party and then the email server, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, a little bit like going directly to Google for your Google Mail, I suppose. Um, so, yeah, I mean, ultimately you want to get to the bottom of it because it will it will be costing you business, definitely. Yeah. Um, I never, ever look in my spam folder. Do you not? There could um, be stuff in no. there, Kev. You never know. There might be loads of stuff in there. I know, but I just don't. I mean, every now and again, I might kind of glance through it very quickly before I empty it. But I never see anything of interest in there. Um, uh, you know, the Microsoft the Microsoft Exchange server that I, I buy, I rent, yeah. uh, filters almost everything. It keeps it on the server. Yeah. So if anybody does get in touch, they always oh, send you something. It's in your mail. It's in, you might have gone to spam then I can always go and trace it. But mostly it never reaches my inbox, which is good. So, yeah. Uh, so, James, if you've been emailing me, <laughs> that money I owe you. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's got, no, um, he's got no excuse, James, because we got this one. Um, no, I think I did pay him. <laughs> did you? Um, then, yeah. So, you need to get it fixed, though. Simple yeah. as that. And your first port of call would be GoDaddy, but ditch the ditch the link first. Check on domain domain tools. Make sure your uh, your rating is one hundred percent and and established one hundred percent as well. It will. You can set up a report. Yeah. I, I mind, it emails me every week saying uh, you're one hundred percent and you've been one hundred percent for x amount of weeks. So it will tell you. You know, if you ever dipped off one of the, if you ever fell onto one of the spam servers at any point, it will tell you. It will, it will flag you. Yeah. Um, have we got time for one more? Where are we? Uh, have, we have you got a... By the way, on that point, sorry, just yeah. before before that, you know, we're, we're now in the, well, I don't know what millennium it is now. Is it 20, are we in the 22nd century? 21st 20, century? 21st. Yeah, we yeah. huh? 21st, 21st. We're in the 21st century. Yeah. <laughs> we shouldn't be worrying about this stuff. No. You know, you should not be worrying about configuring DMARC and SPIFs and all of that kind of stuff. That's what you paying people for. You, you know, don't don't sit there and grind your teeth thinking, well, why is my email going to spam? Get on the phone to the people you buy your email from and get them to fix it. Is it as easy as that though, Kev? It won't be easy for them, but it should be easy for you. You're the one paying for it. Yeah. You know, it's not like the old days where you'd, you'd get a, uh, you know, demon.co.uk email address and they'd send you an email they'd send you a, in the post they'd send you a letter with all of the things you'd have to type in pop three and smtp and all those kind of stuff and you'd look at it and think well i don't know what to do with any yeah. of this you know those days are gone stop if your email is going to spam you need to fix it needs to be fixed it needs to be fixed quick but not by you by the people who you're paying to do it well i was going to have another question but listen <laughs> kev's mini rant can you no, listen say hello kev did you hear that barney that's barney and he's just risen from uh, from the dog bed here. Do you want to press the button, Barney? Press that one there. There we go. Um, so <laughs> he didn't really do that um, because he needs to he needs to go out into the garden to do what dogs do in the garden. So uh, so that's it for <laughs> this week, Kev. 
Um, and we will be back next week. Now, remember, you need to keep sending us questions because, as we say, uh, come Christmas time, this sort of time of year, uh, people are thinking about other things, obviously. And so sometimes the, the mails, um, they, they dry up a bit. So keep sending to click at fujicast.co.uk. And um, remember, as ow, that's my hand. Stop. Uh, and remember also to be uh, uh, leaving your, your questions in the, uh, the Fujicast uh, Facebook group as well, Kev. Tell us how to do that, Kev, while I take this dog off my finger. Hold on. Go to the Facebook group. Search, go to Facebook, search Fujicast. There's a pin thread called Questions for the Show thread. And uh, next week I'm not with anyone here because Neil's been eaten by Barney. <laughs> uh, he's lovely, but uh, that's painful. Puppy teeth are very sharp. Um, and, of, yeah. and of course, um, if you would like to uh, be on that course with Kev, now we're saying this now. <laughs> Hopefully, it, you know we're not going to have a similar situation with the uh, the course that's coming up in uh, in Edinburgh. But if you'd like to be on that, um, how do they email you, Kev? Just tell us that one as well. KevinMillingsWorkshops.co.uk. Easy. Hit the buy button. E- Edinburgh. Edinburgh. One space. One space left. <laughs> Click the buy button. See you next week, Kev. Bye. The Fujicast is an independent loading zone production. Email the show with your questions and words of wisdom to click at fujicast.co.uk. Email any complaints and political nonsense to our wives who will deal with your comments in their own good time and in their own good way.